Hello, promoters, and welcome. Did you do that on purpose? Leave <laughs> <laughs> waiting. I'm leaving it in. No, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> See, this is what happens. Uh, Mike Molesky is back in the crew here, and and already we're stumbling over ourselves. But um, welcome, promoters, to another episode of Roll Up, the official Phil Singer Games podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Fain, joined, of course, by the aforementioned Mike Molesky and the one and only tournament master, Todd Gershel. Todd, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to have the trio back together here. I know, right? How you doing, Mike? Fantastic. I'm just enjoying that little recording notice at the beginning of these things that we get from uh, our friends at Zoom. Yes. Yes, indeed. It's uh, it's right up there with, you know, Siri and Alexa now. You hear that voice and you just, you know it. You recognize it. It feels like a friend. Um we Plus, have, I always like throwing you off stride a little, Sam. Like well, I just yeah, did there. I was gonna say, yeah, I, I've got no stride. I, I, I'm in week number two of stay-at-home dadville with a three-month-old and a three-year-old, and let me just tell you that uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling every minute of that, you know, eight thirty <laughs> to five thirty time where it's just just me with the two of them now we're 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 doing good it's it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh you know when when my wife is working from home it certainly makes things easier so um and and speaking of which we got a bunch of snow here in chicago which was awesome because uh my daughter and i got to go out and, and play in the snow uh not once but twice this week which is which is nice and uh she was having fun making snow angels made a decent snowman snow person. I don't know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, you know, good times, good times. It's not going to be hard to throw me off my game is what I'm trying to say. I'm already rambling and babbling. We're here this week though. We're going to do a character spotlight on the original gladiators, brute and massacre. But before we get to all of that, we should definitely hit up our opening bell. And we don't really have a whole lot of, uh, new stuff to talk about. But we do have something that's coming up this Saturday that we should definitely talk a little bit about. So Tournament Master, take it away for us. All right. So, uh, yeah, this Saturday is the perennial. Um, Still a couple days left to get your tickets there. Uh, As you're hearing this, uh, you might not have much time left if you want to get in the tournaments. But uh, definitely, you know, we were selling the regular ticket up up to the you know the start of the convention itself uh and even if you can't be there in person you know if you could still you'll get your ticket you get the cards you get the sticker um and then i think some of the some of the content i'm sure we'll be sharing uh in, in a you know future uh, roll-up episode as well uh but uh you know definitely you want to be there as part of it uh some cool announcements coming up as part of our panel um the tournaments as i mentioned um that'll be like the first block of time between uh 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. We'll be doing three tournaments. Um, uh, FTR Black Hole Championship Tournament, the uh, Losers Advance. Uh, we have a Champions of the Galaxy All-Time Greats Tournament. Uh, Women of the Indies Tournament featuring all the new cards from the re- most recent set. And I think probably some other ones I'll throw in as well. And then uh, we have the Legends of Memphis Tournament. So uh, looks like we should have uh, some you know pretty cool Pretty cool uh, brackets there. I did mention last week I would have uh, prizes to announce here this week, and I completely lied because I haven't gotten around to that <laughs> yet. <laughs> but I'm going to try to at least get it out before when I send out the brackets out to everybody. I will uh, make sure to announce what the what the prizes are. Then I think I have a couple in mind. I just don't have all four of them 
out just yet. Plus, we'll do a big uh, prize for the uh, the big champion at the end. Uh, at, at the conclusion of the the panel and whatnot, we'll we'll have a championship there. We will have starting at three thirty is kind of like our you know main event panels and stuff like that. We're going to kick off with our special guest Les Thatcher. Uh, I talked to Les earlier today. We did a little uh, run through on Zoom, a little bit of difficulties, but we should be able to uh, be able to do it no problem. Um, and uh, he's definitely looking forward to, to talking uh, to you guys. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, then we'll do our panel. Uh, we'll have uh, Tom on. We'll have the Legends team. We'll have um, uh, some of the other contributors like uh, Mike and Rob on, uh, as well as hopefully the indie team. We'll, we'll see. I know Zeke is uh, is traveling uh, to Battle of Los Angeles, so we'll see if he's able to to make it on in time. If not, you know, we'll we'll make sure to cover what's coming on uh, indie wise as well. Uh, then we will have a small uh auction it won't be as big as our galacticon auction but we have a couple items uh, up um uh for auction that are kind of kick off our fundraising for uh the tragos thes hall of fame this year counting on uh, counting on all you out there grant you know yeah butcher you know barry don't feel free to jump right in absolutely absolutely (laughs) yep Yeah, so hopefully we'll we'll, we'll kickstart that uh, good, and we'll probably have a couple other auctions and stuff throughout the year. But our big one in uh, Chicago uh, is the one that we're really looking forward to there. Um, and then yeah, again we'll have our uh, perennial championship. I know last year it was uh, won by Big Ben Vader, so we'll see who our uh, second perennial champion is there. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun and we'll get you done in time uh, to jump on for the pre-show for the Royal Rumble after that. Fantastic. Um, I got to say, you know, I I haven't been watching uh, any WWE recently, but I I will say that there have been a couple of things that I've read here and there uh, and seen on social media that, uh, you know, piqued my interest about the Rumble uh, at the very least. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some of the sort of the, uh, feuds going in, uh, reading some of the stuff from like Shotzi Blackheart and, and Lita, um, you know, the, the prospect of the two of them kind of squaring off and, you know, seeing what happens as far as the rumble goes is, is pretty cool. I know that uh, oddly enough, odds makers, um, and which will swing wildly between now and, and Saturday when, you know, the, the fix is in, if you will. Uh, but odds makers actually have Shotzi, you know, not, not heavily favored, but she's certainly one of the names in contention huh. to win the, the, the women's rumble, which is kind of cool. Um, That's great. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and, and then of course there's also the garbage business practices of the company, but that's for another time. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So but, yeah, no, no matter how much you watch during the year of, of WWE, it's always cool to watch the rumble though. Rumble's always a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah the mean, rumble's always good with the, with the surprise entrance and everything else. That's always fun. I mean, when the dark men is just, Oh crap, we're not supposed to say that. Are we? <laughs> um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'll bleep that out. Uh, uh, well, just let me know. Let me know. Let me know what the odds are on the dark men is showing up. That that's what I want to know. Um, I mean, what are the odds of him showing up to the perennial? Really? I mean, that's the thing. You just, you never know. Um, it's true. true. So uh, yeah, I, no, I agree. This is always just a great, a great time. And, and the fact is before there was, you know, any other kind of game in town or accessibility to any of the international uh, um, promotions that, that we now have and have had for the past, you know, seven, eight years or so um, there was certainly a time where no matter how out of touch I was with the product, uh, it was so easy for me to jump back in in January 
follow things through till mania at the very least. Um, you know, and depending on if I was, if, if I was jazzed and really into it, then I would be watching, you know, I'd be watching Monday nights at least until SummerSlam, you know, and then might fall off a little bit after SummerSlam. But by the time January rolled back around, I was, I was back in it. And, and, and unfortunately that's not been the case for the past like two or three years. For the past two or three years, I haven't really been paying much attention at all. Um, but, uh, but we'll see, we'll see if the rumble pulls me back in this time around or not. Um, with, 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 with their camera style these days, I doubt that it will. I mean, we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about the editors that missed edges entrance. So what, you yeah, know, yeah. what are you going to do? And, and, and I don't know how an epileptic could even possibly watch WWE programming these days because, you know, they'd be having fits every five minutes, 30 seconds. Some really. cuts are a bit much at times, but that's, they're awful. <laughs> they're awful. Well, um, well, the other thing I think I'm looking forward to, I, I gotta get, I gotta get on it here because we're only a couple of days away is doing a rumble pool. I know they did one of those last year. Um, I had number two, which originally the edge was, was, was named as number two. And then they switched it the day of the event and made him number one, and yeah. I wound up losing. But you know that's all right. I, I hope to make it back this year. We'll see. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. I, I'm always interested to see who they who they you know put on top uh, of the rumble, and you know that sets the table obviously for for Mania. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, speaking of real world wrestling, um, Todd, you told me that you watched a show this past weekend, uh, the GCW show. Uh, tell us. All yeah, about yeah, it. I don't. I, yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely cool. It was uh, the world on GCW. Uh, it was in the Hammerstein Ballroom, so really, really big show for them. Uh, I don't watch you know every GCW event, but I at least try to catch the big ones here or there. So the War Games one, I remember when they were in Chicago. Uh, I think around uh, all was, I think it was uh, all out weekend, uh, which was great. And then, uh, yeah, this one was, it was a great card overall. They brought in uh, you know a bunch of guys from AEW and some other legends uh, there as well. I didn't watch every match because it was also at the same time as the uh, Bills and Chiefs game, which was insane. So yeah, I was trying to keep track yeah. of both. You know, I was able to I pause the rest for a bit while I was watching uh, the end of that the, the, the football game, but I, I did come back and watch that. There was no way you were going to get me to watch anything other than that football game. Oh yeah, that, no, no, no. There was that was just that was. That, I told my kids that night, you know, who range in age from six to twelve, that um, that was like they just saw something that when they're my age, people will be talking about that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the Bills won that game twice in the last two minutes and still lost. I mean, I mean it, was, it, was, it was crazy. It, 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 it's funny because uh, I haven't watched much football this year at all, and uh, I, you know, I have a group of guys. Uh, my groomsmen um, have this group text that's basically been going since like the week before my bachelor party. So it's like, we just, you know, we've been texting each other now for like, you know, what, almost five years uh, uh, in this thread. And um, they were talking about the games that day and I'd see some texts and everything. And I'm like, well, I haven't watched anything all year, but now you guys have got me watching this game because, you know, it's so crazy. My dad who was born and raised in Kansas city. And, and so you know, we're, we're Chiefs fans as much as I can be a Chiefs fan because I don't follow football that much anymore. Um, and uh, I, he called me the day after the game and we're talking on the phone and uh, he goes, yeah, we got beat. And I was like, what are you talking about? We got beat. And he's like, the Chiefs, Chiefs got beat. Like, dad, they, they won. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm like, is he okay? Is everything all right? And he's like, 
What do you mean they won? I turned the I turned the game off. They were losing. There was only like you know, thirteen seconds, seconds left. 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 They had, I was like, no, Dad, they 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 tied the game. They won the, the flip, and then they 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 won in overtime. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, how did you not know that this happened? And he's like, I turned it off, went to bed. I was like, oh my. God. <laughs> so somebody did turn it off. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oddly enough, I, I, he he did. But uh, anyway. Um, uh, it's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm happy for them. I have a friend of mine who's just a diehard Bills fan, and I did feel a little bit bad for him because uh, you know we I have a lot of Bills, Bills fans but... in my family. Yeah, that was that was tough. And sorry, sorry, Tim Milton. So yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, but but anyway, back, back, back to GCW though. So I did kind of yeah. yeah, after the football game was over, I did get, get back and, and watch some of the stuff there. And uh, again, I didn't watch everything. You know, there's probably there's some very good. Uh, you know, good technical, good technical match. Uh, you know, a lucha match in there. Trios. I didn't get to the chance to watch that. I heard that was really good. There's a ring, uh, supposed to be a ring of honor title defense, which uh, I think Jonathan Gresham couldn't make it the last minute. So Leo Rush went in there with Bray Christian. I didn't watch that, but I did manage to watch all the garbage matches, which was definitely my more my forte there. Um, and uh, I think the chief amongst them was uh, Matt Cardona versus Joey Janela, which had about eight different run-ins and like just all this wild shenanigans. And, you know, I absolutely loved that match. It was great. And, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Cardona came in and, uh, you know, somebody had the sign up, up top. If Cardona wins, we riot, you know, which apparently he did not plant that either. So, which was, which was cool. And even though he had it on his shirt, but, uh, that was pretty wild. Um, there was a crazy ladder match that opened up the show that, uh, AJ Gray took a huge face plant on uh, off of one of the ladders, which definitely made the rounds. Jim Cornette definitely uh, had to chime in on that one, uh, which was <laughs> as soon as I saw him going up there, I'm like, Oh, this is not going to go well at all. I could tell from when he was up there, I'm like, this is not going to happen. So yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. But, um, and then you know, the other, um, we had uh, Jeff Jarrett was in there against Effie, which again, pretty wild match. Ruby Soho came in to fight Ali Catch, um, which was actually which was a really good match as well. Both of them, you know, awesome at what they do. Um, we had the John Moxley uh, made his uh, return to GCW, fought Homicide, which was which was pretty great. And then the uh, main event uh, was the Briscoe Brothers Open Challenge, which was answered by Nick Gage and Matt Tremont, which was awesome. Uh, I kind of figured Nick Gage had to be in there somehow, so it's it good to see his return. Unfortunately, uh, you know, GCW is not very used to time constraints, and they kind of <laughs> had to rush, rush the main event. It just kind of ended out of nowhere. It's like, what the heck happened there? You know, so it ended really abruptly because they had to get off the air. But um, but definitely still is a great show. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I and, and definitely good things for that company. Uh, there was, uh, you know, I'd say at least one guy in that show that'll definitely be in one of the indie sets this year. Um, I do not think Tom will allow us to, to do the Grim Reefer who uh, <laughs> smoked the doobie and did a moonsault or something outside the ring afterwards. I'm like, yeah, that'd be a cool car, but yeah, no way Tom's letting us do that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely some good, good talent there. And, and Mike is shaking his head. No, uh, um, but yeah, definitely a good, a good, good showing by them um, and look forward to see how they follow up on that. 
Nice. That's very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, they have put some really cool stuff together and I feel like the, the storylines um, that they've had running and the stories that they've told over the past couple of years um, have, have been great because, you know, early on with GCW, you go back and you watch some of those early shows. It was, it was, it was kind of like the PWG type thing where it was more about sure. like, let's just put people in the ring and put on good matches. But uh, they've really amped up their storytelling quite a bit um, uh, over the past year, year or two. And uh, I think it's paid off for them. You know, they've got people, yeah. uh, there's, there's a, a good reason why they designed those t-shirts that, you know, kind of, um, you know, paid homage to the, the old ECW t-shirts, because I think that yeah. in a lot of ways, what they're doing now is certainly kind of the, the reverberation, the echo of what ECW was doing, um, you know, back in the, the mid nineties. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go. They certainly have got plenty of support and lots of great talent coming in, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. One thing I want to mention, which GCW did the night before their big uh, show, and that, of course, oh, yeah. was the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame, um, which I think is just another really cool thing that GCW ha- has been doing and, uh, you know, paying tribute to um, basically the the wrestlers and the style of wrestling that, that allowed, not allowed, but that certainly inspired a company like GCW and the wrestlers that work, you know, in GC- GCW. Um the Indie Wrestling Hall of Fame inaugural class of 2022 included uh, the Wounded Owl Lufisto, which is awesome. Lufisto is incredible, and I, I just love seeing her get any kind of recognition because I feel like sometimes she doesn't get enough, so something like this was really, really damn cool. Um, she was inducted by Lenny Leonard, who, you know, if you've listened to Evolve, if you listen to, you know, Shimmer, you know, any indie uh, wrestling over the past, you know, 15 years or so, you're probably going to hear his voice at some point. Um, uh, Ruckus, who was uh, inducted by Sanjay Dutt. Um, Homicide, who was inducted by Chris Dickinson. Um, And uh, Tracy Smothers was uh, inducted um, by, I almost said Chris Hero. Chris Hero accepted uh, on behalf uh, of Tracy Smothers, because obviously Tracy would be there, uh, inducted by Spider Nate Webb. Um, and then uh, Jerry Lynn, who was inducted by Sean Waltman. And uh, I think my personal favorite uh, moment of the night was Dave Prezak was inducted by CM Punk. Um, and of course, Dave Prezak, uh, I think, is incredibly instrumental into the quality of women's wrestling uh, in the United States that we have today uh, due to his work with Shimmer. But of course, he's somebody that's been around for almost 30 years, you know, working, got to start working like when he was like 14 or 15 years old, uh, uh, you know, doing stuff for ECW and, 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 uh, um, you know, writing for, for prodigy, you know, uh, online, uh, and, uh, working with, um, you know, Dave Ryder and, uh, Dennis Caraluzzo. And, and so, so he's, you know, he's been around forever and he's done so much, but I think the thing that he'll probably be remembered for the most, uh, not that he's going anywhere, uh, is shimmer, uh, because that, that has absolutely helped to, uh, not only bring quality uh, talent to the forefront because they, you know, there've been so many names that have gone through shimmer that are now in AEW or WWE, um, but also just put on, you know, damn good shows uh, as well. So uh, really cool event, really wonderful way to honor some of the talent that has been instrumental in the rise um, of indie wrestling, if you can call it that. I mean, obviously indie wrestling has been around for before some of these folks were around with the exception maybe of Tracy Smothers. Uh, and uh, I, I thought it was really cool that they did something like this and that I think it, it felt like it had the proper weight behind it, that it wasn't yeah. just kind of like some, you know, it's kind of like, I, I, not to speak ill, it was kind of like when TNA did their hall of fame, you know, there's this moment where you're just sort of like, really TNA, really? 
Like, <laughs> it's cool that you're inducting Sting into your Hall of Fame, but his Hall of Fame moments came long before he was at TNA. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it, it, this felt like something felt a little bit more real to me than when TNA did their Hall of Fame, for instance. Um, so yeah, yeah, I thought that I was think cool. they, they, they did a good service to that. Everybody I heard, you know, who who's not even a GCW fans thought they did a really good job honoring these guys, you know, really, really classy way to do it. And, you know, it wasn't just guys who were instrumental to GCW. Like this was like, you know, in honor of indie wrestling, which I thought was a really, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other real world wrestling thing that I wanted to talk about real quick happened on Wednesday night on dynamite on TBS or AEW. And that was the return of John Moxley. Um, John Moxley of course had been, out uh, of action um, after he checked himself into rehab. Um, and, uh, you know, anyone who has, you know, talked to me or been around me for any real length of time uh, certainly knows that I've had my own share of struggles. So I, I found what he did to be incredibly inspiring and, uh, you know, just a really, really wonderful thing to do. And um, I'll say expletive deleted to Bully Ray, Bubba Ray, whatever you want to call him. I think he's an absolute asshat for what he said. Um, and I'd say that to his face. So, you know, <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if, if he wants to come on the podcast, I'm joking. He doesn't, he doesn't know I exist. Um, but uh, I, I thought you that. You don't was, know that. You, you don't know that. <laughs> well, you know what? If you're listening, uh, I'm I'm the I'm the kid from the the front row of the uh, Wilkesbury Armory uh, from 1999 um, that uh, you you acted like you were going to slap before New Jack came out and hit you over the head with a, a record, and I carried home. You cleared it right up. He'll know. He'll know now. Yeah, exactly. He'll remember me. Uh, anyway, um, so, so, uh, you know, Moxley came out, cut, uh, just a, a wonderful promo. If you even want to call it that, I, you know, this is definitely a case of similar to when CM Punk returned, uh, of just putting a mic in somebody's hand and saying, go out and say whatever the heck you want to say. And he did. And I thought it was really wonderful. And, um, I thought that, you know, when, when a company gives somebody the opportunity to, uh, be so honest about something that uh, so many people struggle with and uh, and share that with with everyone um, I think that it uh, deserves a little recognition so uh, I'm glad they did that I'm glad he had the opportunity to do it and uh, he looks like a million bucks you know I mean it's like if ever there's an endorsement for saying hey get off the sauce for a while and see what happens like just look at what John Moxley looks like today compared to what he looked like you know a couple of months ago um and uh, yeah, anyone that struggles with with any kind of uh, addiction whatsoever um, knows that it is usually the result, not usually, I mean, it is the result of trauma and the fact that he was just so honest about his trauma and his demons and his struggles uh, and, you know, getting clean and, 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 you know, now wanting to just recommit himself to, you know, the thing outside of his wife and daughter that he loves the most is, is really cool and inspiring to see. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where he goes next. And it looks like one of those places is going to lead him straight to Brian Danielson, which should be awesome. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's what I was looking forward to. That was probably going to be uh, at full gear last year. It was like the tournament final. So I'm glad uh, we'll get to see that. And, you know, probably even more of an intense Moxley going into that, which will be great. Yeah. Um, Mike, what do you, what do you got for us over there for the opening bell? Anything, anything you want to comment on? GCW indie wrestling, John Moxley. Well, I mean, John Moxley, I'm just glad he's back. Um, you know, anytime somebody's struggling like that, um, the first thing is they got to get themselves right. And and the, the fact that, I mean, I'm a fan. I've, I've, you know, ever since I've, you know, saw him, I, I thought he had tons of talent. 
Um, but you hate to see somebody struggle. And, and I'm glad that I'm glad AEW let him take his time and I, and I'm glad he's back. And, you know, I mean, I know there's some controversy over some of the, at least one word that he chose to use during his promo, but uh, uh, it tells me Tony you know, Khan was fine with paying that fine. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Well, you know, and that's, I, I will say that's my only problem with AEW in general yeah. is that I can't watch it with my kids because mm. you never know when something like that's going to happen. And as I said before, my kids are ages six to 12. So, sure. you know, I, I can get them to watch an Avengers movie because I know there's going to be like two words and, Every time I get the, if they sit here, they go bad word. I'm like, exactly. And I feel good about that. I feel like I've done my job as a parent, but with AEW, you just, it's almost like they, there's like, it's uh, like that uh, game from Super Troopers, the meow game. Yeah. How many times can you get meow into the sentence, you know, to yeah. that conversation? Well, I, I, Sometimes feel like AEW, they're just trying to curse just so they can say they did it the right, a certain number of times. Right. And it's like, it's it's not even necessary half the time. Now, in Mox's case, it was, I understand why he did it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't hear exactly what was said, but I'm pretty sure I had, I got an idea where, what triggered uh, him to use those words. Uh, so, but you know, that, that would be my only real critique of AEW. I like a lot of what they're doing booking wise. I like the way they're rotating talent. Um, you know, you have, I mean, it's not often you can have a champ like Omega, you know, be as dominant as he was, be as big a part of the story as he was for as long as he was step away and not feel like there's a huge empty piece of the company. Um, and, and I'm not saying that he can't play a huge role as the instant he comes back but you don't feel like the company is suffering because he's not on TV right now. Um, they've got, um, and they're not, you know, they're not, they're using veterans like sting, but not at the expense of Darby Allen. They're using it to put over Darby Allen. And right. it's, it's, it's an interesting, I, I really am intrigued by the way, you know, I keep waiting for it to fall apart. Like, sure. okay, when's, <laughs> you know, you know, when, when is it going to be too much? You know, they just signed sting. Oh my God. Oh wait, now they've signed, you know, uh, CM Punk. Oh, wait, now they've got Brian Danielson. Oh, now they've got, um, um, Adam Cole, Cole, right. You know, it's like, it's like, like how many people can, but I think that they've shown they're signing big names. I mean, WWE, you know, did this for years, you know, WCW did it before that, but I think that they found a way to balance these names and sort of rotate them in and out and not have everybody in your face. Everybody, everybody doesn't need their five minutes every week. Right. Um, and again, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many egos can handle that for how long, you know, it's, it's, it's working in the short term, but, you know, based on what's going on with like Leo Rush, you go, is that the first of many, or is that just sort of a blip on the radar screen? So, yeah, you know, it's interesting because there's a guy who I, I, I think is incredibly talented. And, uh, I, I do think that, for better or worse, true or not, he has definitely seemed to earn a reputation for being a little, a little difficult to work with and a little, you know, a little flighty, a little flaky, a little, you know, it's like one minute he's all in and that's all he wants to do is be a wrestler. And the next minute he's, you know, he wants to go stay at home for six weeks, which is fine. Like, I mean, you know, be, 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 
family is incredibly important. You need to be uh, home if you need to be home. But um, I, I think that he might be a bit of an aberration. One thing I will say, um, you know, is that they are, it seems, prepared to let a few contracts expire um, over the next you know, couple of weeks. There are some contracts that will be expiring and it doesn't look like they're going to be renewing them. A lot of that talent has already kind of announced that they'll be taking dates um, you know, on the indies again. So it, it, you know, it does seem like they, you know, they're prepared to let talent go, you, you know, not fire anybody unexpectedly, but they're certainly prepared to say like, Hey, you know, we're really glad you were here and uh, we're going to keep bringing you in for darks and elevations and pay you for that sort of stuff. But we don't necessarily have anything, you know, for you on, on dynamite or, or rampage. So we're going to let your contract expire so you can go work other places too. And uh, I, you know, I think that that's cool actually, you know, I think that there's nothing wrong with that because these people are going to go out, they're going to be able to find jobs and you know, they're going to be able to say like, Hey, yeah, I was, you know, an AEW wrestler or whatever. And um and and the doors is always open. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that continues uh, with the company and what they continue to do with their contract you know, structure and, and, and how, you know, talent comes in and out. And, you know, let's face it, they're not, they've not been, you know, without their share of, of some controversy with, you know, with Big Swole and with, and with Leo Rush. And, you know, there's been some things said, but I will say that, you know, one of the things that CM Punk has, has been on the record as saying is that like the morale in the locker room is unlike anything he's ever been a part of before um that you know that people are just genuinely happy and having a good time and um that it's you know it doesn't feel at all like any other locker room he's ever been in um which i think is really cool and um again we'll Hopefully see it like, stays that way we'll see yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly but that's what i said exactly. it, it'll be interesting it's an interesting experiment um right. you know and, and to see if it can if it can hold i mean i i think but i i do like i said i i just like the fact that they I always felt like impact TNA impact always fell down because they tried to be WWE, you know, yeah. 2.0. And I think AEW is just doing their own thing. Right. And it gives them the chance to succeed because they're not trying to be more WWE than WWE. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that that's their, they're shot and they're not trying to go at them on Monday night or Friday night directly. You know, it's not like a, you know, there was the Wednesday night war, but I mean, let's be honest. It was, it was never, unless AEW fell on its face, you know, they were going to be able to handle going against NXT. Yeah. Right. You know, you know, like with the names they had, they could go against NXT. And I, I mean, I, I think in some ways, it was good for the business to have both shows on that one night. Cause it sort of gave people something to talk about. Yeah. But you know, I, I think that it's a, uh, um, you know, they've handled the, you know, the first, what is it? Two years now, I guess about, yeah. you know, and you know, that's, it'd be really interesting to see what they do now. I mean, it's to your point, you know, how do they handle the exit of talent that they, don't need anymore on a everyday basis. Had, when people walk away, do they still all say it was a great locker room or do the, right. the stories start to come out sure. after they're not getting a paycheck? Um, and you have the, like the big swole, you know, saga and you, you know, two sides to every story, right? Is it, is it that they weren't given her an opportunity because 
you know, for the reasons she indicated, or was it just for the reasons Tony Khan indicated? <laughs> you know, and I think hey, that's one of the know. cases where the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Because I don't think right, she's, exactly. I don't think she's a bad wrestler. I, I think she can hack yeah. it with 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 any of the women that they have in their ring. I think she's that talented. You know, do I think she's more talented than you know the, the, their their top five women? No, I don't. But you know, I no. think she could. And, and that's the problem you know? is that if you think you're top five and you're not, right? Then you, there's always you're always going to think you're being mistreated. Right. So, right. Yeah. But it's also weird to say that a company doesn't have representation when you look at like who owns and runs the company. You look at like, you know, who their TBS champion is. You look at like, you know, who they've got in the ring. It's just sort of like, "Eh." (laughs) I guess that's what I'm saying is that I I don't know anything that happened behind the scenes there. So it's, you know, we're all talking about stuff we don't really know anything about, but I I just, to me, it, it rang hollow that you're making these accusations And then you look at who they're pushing in certain spots and you're going, I don't get it. And you look at who's calling the shots. It's not like, yeah, I mean, I just, it just, so like I said, I I think it's a case of, you know, lots of times you'll get in, in sports and in, in, in theater, you know, anywhere where someone has an opinion of themselves that doesn't match what their boss has of them or their coach or their director or whatever. And so they feel mistreated because they're not in the spot they think they deserve. And the, the person who's making the decisions going, you don't deserve that spot. So, right. and, and it, but it, it's an emotional thing when it's your life and your career. And so I understand how people can maybe get carried away and then say things that are maybe a little over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if you look early on, the, she was probably one of the, the bright, you know, one of the top female talents early on in AEW, but yeah, and AEW definitely. The, everyone always said, that, "Yeah, the weak point is the women's division," and they've really worked on it and built. You know, they've built up a lot of that division, yeah. and so it's like, yeah, I mean, she's not going to be in the top spot of where she was before, just because they brought in so many more. You know, well, and, and 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 Britt Baker has been amazing. Yeah. Like, I, and I mean, anybody who's we've talked about wrestling plenty of times. I'm not the the biggest women's wrestling uh, aficionado like Sam is, for example, um, but. I watch Britt Baker every week and I go, she's killing it. I mean, yeah. she is absolutely killing television right now. And, um, you know, and it doesn't matter who they put her in a program with. She just, it, it works. Right. Um, you know, it, and you know, the, the, the new TBS champion is she's got swagger. I'll tell you, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, uh, you know, again, not, can't have the six and 12 year olds watching that, but, but she's, she's good. Um, <laughs> she, she manages got some promos. Um, and, and, and I just sit there and I go, that's pretty good. I mean, I, you know, and, and I've, I don't, you know, there's only a, a few women stars who really caught my attention over the years that yeah. I, you know, I felt like, um, they were really in that, um, status, um, partially because obviously it was, it's a, they came along as big stars in the industry later um, or put, given the opportunities later. Right. Right. Um, but, but I think that, you know, there those, you know, Britt Baker in particular, I think is in that she has a chance to be one of the all time greats, I think. So. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I mean, I think that the only, you know, there's only a couple of people that I would probably put in the same space, especially when it comes to North America, that I would probably put in the same space as her when it comes to women's wrestling. You know, Becky Lynch, obviously, I think that, you know, there's, there's right now, you know, for the past few years, I mean, she's it. There's nobody that has been even close to what 
Becky Lynch has been able to do, you know, with her character, with the persona, the connection with the fans, et cetera. There's just nobody that's come close. Um, but, but, you know, when you start having that conversation, you know, I mean, I think that Brit is, she's building, she's building that, you know what I mean? Like she has definitely built something that is pretty special. And I think goes beyond just about anything that we've seen from anybody else, the work that she's doing. You know, I think that Bailey is somebody who could probably, you know, when you talk about the work, I think that Bailey's probably the person that I would put at the top of my list. Um, but when you talk about the other stuff, some of those intangibles, I mean, I think that Brit and Becky are probably the top two in, in, in the country right now. Um, it's a great division, though. I mean, you've got Serena Deeb tearing it up. You know, you've got uh, Hikaru Shida, who's always going to be she's she's taking a little bit of a break right now. She's going to film a movie, I think, in Japan, but um, uh, is always going to be somebody you can rely on to, to have a great match and great connection with the crowd. And, you know, Nyla Rose is, is I think, is something special as well. And um, Th- Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Yeah. The crowd, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you know, Ty Conti, I think, has come a long way. I think that. Uh, um, you know, Jamie Hayter is somebody that's going to be, I think is going to be big for them. So yeah, they, I mean, they, they've done a lot of work and, 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 you know, I, I would certainly love to see them, you know, maybe have a, another match or two, you know, per week featured on dynamite or, or, and or rampage. But as it stands right now, I think that, yeah, I think it's great. Um, on, on, well, I think it doesn't feel forced though, Sam, right. Like, yeah. When you see the, the women's matches on AEW right now, they, it's like they belong. And you don't sit there and, and, you know, sometimes I felt like at points, WWE, it felt like, okay, here's our extra women's match. Yep. We're running. Yep. And you didn't know what the point of the match was. Right. right. And, and so I, I think it's a tough balance to, to do because you do want to give the opportunities, but at the same time, you still have programming that needs to be good programming. Yes. Um, and, and I think AEW is walking that line right now where I, I never feel why is that match there with, with a women's match? It's absolutely, it's, it's, they've done a great job with, with that division. I would certainly argue that when it comes to dynamite and rampage, I mean, dark and elevation are different beasts entirely and they're supposed to be, but when it comes to dark and, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, dynamite and rampage, I would say that more than any other company in the past, probably, you know, 25 years, every match seems like it matters that there is a reason behind every match, even the squashes, you know, it's like, there's a reason why you're having Hobbs go out there or Wardlow go out there and squash somebody. There's a reason why you're having hook, you know, go out there and dismantle people right now. You know, it's like, there, there's a reason. How about that kid? Talk about somebody catching fire. <laughs> oh yeah. Like out of nowhere. How you know, perfectly like, did they play that from having him just in, kind of in the background to, you know, to kind of coming forever. a bit more to the foreground. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, you'd see the signs pop up, you know, you know, we want hook all this. And then CM Punk utters the immortal line, you know, bring me hook. And like, you know, all of a sudden, like that's the new, the new catchphrase and everything. And yeah, I mean, it's, he, he's, he's on fire. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they've got to keep him away from the rest of team Taz right now. Right. Can't true. Yeah, he's not, yeah. He's yeah. too popular. He's like killing their heat. <laughs> right. I mean, you notice that now he yeah, went from being at yeah. every team Taz match to now he is at none of them. It's, yeah. it's Starks and Hobbs. Like it's, 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 yeah, it's like, the, and they'll talk about him on commentary, right? But, but right. he's like over I mean, here. It's cool. That, it's cool that Taz is on commentary oh, for yeah. his matches too. Yeah, I mean, how cool is that got to be, right? Like you know, Taz you know, and Jericho there, calling this. that the, the match was it two weeks ago that, that where they're, they're they, they're starting to talk about the move set that that Hooks got and he's breaking it down. He's like, I don't think that's that. That looks more like that. Taz, you know anything about that move? You know, like he's like, you know. It's, it's one of it's a move that nobody's seen since ECW Taz, right? Right. You know, like it, right. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, you know, you mentioned him earlier, uh, Sting. I mean, just that it's incredible. He's incredible. He's absolutely incredible. He's amazing. I don't think I have ever, in all the years that I've been watching wrestling, I have never seen someone at his age, or even within 10 years of his age, quite frankly, work as well as he works. He knows he has the limitations, you know, Tony Khan knows the limitations that he has. The other wrestlers in the ring know the limitations that he has. But you would never know as a fan the limitations that Sting has because every time he goes out there, he just looks. It's it's you can't you cannot really put a word on what he's doing right now because it is incredible. But they're but again they're they're not overusing him right, and they're not trying to push him for the world title right. right. It's it's yeah. He's, he's and yeah okay he and Darby Allen are undefeated but they, they've they've caught again we get back to that they found this cadence with him and how they can use him and they're not trying to do more than they can with right. they just it seems to be fitting yeah definitely somebody that you know is is probably on my my all time wish list for Legends of Wrestling um, why wouldn't he be I'm sure never, never say never Sam never right. say never, never say never. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the last thing I'll what, say. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Todd. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead well, say, the last thing I'll say real quick uh, on a lighter note is if, if you, if you pay attention to social media at all, if you enjoy that aspect of the wrestling business, I cannot encourage you enough to go check out the, the bromance that has been developing between Adam page and CM Punk, because it is a thing of absolute beauty on the oh, universe. Yes. <laughs> I am just in love with the fact that punk and page are, are like, you know, tweeting one another ridiculous things, and it's it's just lovely. <laughs> yeah, I saw CM Punk asking if he has chaps to borrow and stuff like that. Yeah, well. and Paige is like, no sex <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, the one other thing I want to add in, so like we had the big match in Cleveland. Uh, you know, maybe right as this this episode's dropping, uh, you know, Beach Blast, which of course, why wouldn't you have Beach Blast in January in Cleveland. That sounds like the perfect <laughs> location for that, right? Right, right. Uh, but um, you know, there's some really cool matches in that, but there's always the lingering thing of, you know, there's somebody who recently didn't resign with a big company who's known from Cleveland. Uh, I'm wondering if we, we might see him or not. That's really the, the big question I have. Uh, I mean... Why not? Right? They're going to do it anytime. It's going to be there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that they've done so perfectly is, you know, kind of like strike when the opportunity makes the most sense, you know, and, and uh, that um, building that anticipation, I think, um, you know, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't happen, but the anticipation that potentially it will is enough to kind of get people excited. And then if it does pay off, which most of the time it does, it's still a wonderful payoff. Like you're excited about it. Like not everything has to be this closely guarded secret, you know, this big, this big right. surprise, like, you know, I do know that AEW likes to put, pull out some big names right before a major WWE event. That, 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 that has not escaped <laughs> my, my view at all. So we, we will see what happens uh, with this for sure. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, one other real-world thing I'll mention uh, just very briefly is that uh, I think a lot of us out there, you know, not only do we love this game, but we love wrestling games of any form. Uh, and anyone who's been following the wrestling video game universe knows that WWE 2K20 is inarguably the worst wrestling game that was ever created. Um, it was a broken game. It, it was a flavorless game. It was just a bad wrestling video game. So much so that 2K actually took a year off um, and that actually turned into over a year um, to produce a, a new wrestling game. Uh, and that it was officially announced that it will drop uh, in March. Um, the date escapes me and I don't have it right in front of me. The footage that they've shown looks incredible. Um, it, it definitely looks a lot better than, than 2K20 did. Um, and they've announced that the GM mode is coming back, which I know is something a lot of people wanted. Um, and, and it seems like there's some really cool bells and whistles. Uh, I doubt that I'm going to pre-order it. Um, I, I, you know, pre-ordered pretty much every WWE game since like 2K13, I think. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I won't be doing that with this one um, because I'll want to know whether or not it's worth it before I put my money down. But that said, uh, I think uh, I think right, as of right now, what what we've seen, it looks it looks pretty good. So, you know, it might be worth uh, checking out in, in, you know, six, eight weeks, whenever it is that it drops. Uh, they're doing their roster reveals daily. And uh, the neat thing is, in addition to the reveal, um, they're also revealing the, the wrestlers ratings, kind of like, you know, you do for like other sports games and drew um, McIntyre yeah. was announced today and uh, revealed his rating of a 91. It's pretty damn high. Uh, so uh, you, you got to think that the only person that's probably going to be higher is, is, is Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Um, I imagine Roman will probably be the highest, but we'll see. Anyway. Um, I think that's enough of that. Should we, should we get to the main event? Let's do it. Let's get there. All right, here we go. We are here with another character spotlight, and I am really, really excited when we were trying to figure out who we wanted to do next. Uh, I, I think kind of immediately we thought, let's do a tag team. Let's do Brute Massacre. Um, there was, there was pretty much no question in my mind that that was probably where we would head next. Uh, I was a huge Gladiators of Aether fan. Um, as someone... When I first got the game, loved to cheer the baby faces, you know, loved to uh, push the baby faces, whether it was, you know, Star Warrior or Wolf or Massive or Commander Sam or, or uh, even a young Pulsar uh, or Lord Nexus. God, I love Lord Nexus. Um, that said, who doesn't? I love the gladiators. I love Brute Massacre. Um, and I, I loved their, their story. I loved everything about the team, the cleansing, the, you know, all the way up until uh, Massacre's untimely demise. I loved using Brute as a manager. I love that art on that manager card. God, that, that 2109 Brute artwork is, is something special in my opinion. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to talking about them. So um, I'm going to uh, kick it over to Mike Molesky. Mike, Tell us about your earliest memories, first thoughts when it comes to Brute and Massacre. Um, that they were like the total package tag team for the first like I don't know five or ten game years. I mean they, they were they were sort of I mean they, they they didn't win my tag team tournament if I recall correctly for my first champions, but they won the titles very shortly thereafter. They, I still think um, if they don't have the most tag team title reigns in my feds history, they're really close. 
Um, it may be somebody, you know, one of the teams, modern teams may, cause if I, for whatever reason, my titles team seem to flip more now than they, uh, did, or at least they, they did for a while. Um, so, you know, somebody like a stars and stripes may have wound up with more reigns than they did, but they, they, they just dominate. It was the Greek gods and, and the, uh, gladiators in the early years and uh, the gladiators just kind of pulled away, um, after, especially when they got that, um, that update, um, they, they were just really hard to beat. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 my earliest memories, um, you know, beyond what I just said, uh, as far as how they performed, um, again, you know, I can't recall if they won my tournament or not. Um, but I know that they dominated, um, the tag team ranks for the first couple of years, uh, game years for me easily. Um, the, you know, the only people that were threat really were the gladiators, obviously. Um, and I don't think anyone truly threatened their, their dominance for me, um, you know, until the, the gladiator Vanguard came around, you know, I mean, it was really, it really took that long, um, for the civil war to break out before they were really threatened. Um, they were just that, that good, you know, I, I think that, you know, their battles with war were, were incredible, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, for me personally, in those game years, I don't think I had a, a better tag team, um, you know, for the first, like you're saying, Mike, decade, uh, of game years. Um, and I, I thought that the funny thing is, is that they were such a dominant tag team that when they got the cleansing, it, it was like, oh, okay, now they're even more dominant than they were. Um, and I loved using them. I loved using them. And I, I, I even, you know, enjoyed having Massacre in some singles matches now and again, just because uh, I, I felt like that was something that he would do. He held my uh, interplanetary title for uh, a time. I remember that. Um, but more often than not, they were, you know, the tag team. Todd, what about you? Well, you know, so I didn't play out the the early years uh, from 87 to 92. I kind of started in 2093, which is the latest set that was out when I started. So I never played with the original version. So I only played with the updated one, but they were obviously, you know, probably one of the most dominant tag teams at the time. Uh, my favorite tag team in my youth was Demolition. So having, you know, face painted guys with spikes, you know, was definitely up my alley. Uh, definitely booked them very strong. <laughs> Uh, again, I'd have to see who won my thing. I'm pretty sure they did win the, the, the tag team titles in my first tournament, uh, but I'd have to go. I have to, I have to somehow go back and see if I can find my old archives uh, to see who, who did win that one. But uh, yeah, they, they were great. Um, and uh, I, and there really wasn't a ton of competition that I knew probably until like Star Wars and Thantos teamed up like that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they 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 pretty much dominated the war one, but I think that the one team that really kind of really took the belt away from them was probably when Star Wars and Thantos eventually teamed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a good point. I'd kind of forgotten about that uh, that pairing and 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 putting those two teams in the ring together. Um, yeah, I, I it, it's funny because I just cannot remember uh, there being any teams that really gave them a run for their money uh, as far as like out and out wins and losses go, you know, there were plenty of teams that you would match them up with in the ring that could have great matches with them. Um, but uh, more often than not, they came out uh, on the winning side. Um, and certainly when it came to titles, uh, I want to say for the first two, maybe three years of game time for me, 
um, they held the titles more than anyone and longer than anyone, you know, without a doubt. I, the, the funny thing is, is the Greek gods who, you know, were their kind of number one opponent in, in, in my fed for, you know, probably those first two years um, would take the titles from them, but then they would drop them like a couple of weeks later. And then the gladiators would hold on to them for like six months. So, it, you know, it was, it was like, they'd have a couple of interruptions in their reigns, but it, it, they usually didn't last very long. The, the, the gods didn't hold the titles for very long for me, honestly, they, they held them a couple of times, but they didn't have lengthy runs. Um, you mentioned the look and, and, and kind of comparing them to demolition. Uh, you know, when I saw them, um, I think like a lot of promoters, I had the first, place my head went with the road warriors. Um, and because by the time I got into the game, like if, if I bought the game when it first came out, I would have thought demolition too, because I didn't really know the road warriors that much because WWF was my, my product. You know, that's what I watched. Um, but by, you know, by the time I got the game in 94, I was pretty familiar with, you know, the road warriors slash Legion of doom and everything. And that's, that's where my brain went. Um, the funny thing is though, is as much as I kind of saw them as being that road warriors esque, team and and looking that way personality wise i felt like they had very different personalities especially massacre you know i felt like massacre was much more of a tactician you know that 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 there was some method to their madness whereas with the road warriors it was always just like we're big we're bad we're gonna beat you up and i felt like with brutal massacre there was there was something more to it which i really appreciated about the characters um and I think, you know, if I had to, I was going to ask this question later, but if I had to, I would actually say Massacre is one of my favorite gladiators. And and certainly when it came to the duo, I preferred Massacre to Brute. Like I, I enjoyed Brute, but Massacre was kind of like, there was something about him that elevated that character above the character of Brute. Mike, I can see you nodding over there. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on kind of their character uh, as opposed to just how they did for you. Well, I think it started with the cigar, right? Because <laughs> it gave you that like Hannibal from the A-team kind of look, right? right? That he had the plan. Like he yeah. was the guy with the plan. Bruce was a brute. Like he was just going to go through and plow people. And yeah. But massacred, there was always more going on. And uh, to your point, I always booked him that way. You know, that he was... Um, you know, he was sort of the, the brains behind the operation... Brute just broke things, you know, and uh, Spike was kind of like the superstar, but that yeah. Massacre, it was part of Massacre's plan that that Spike was the guy who was going to go do the singles thing because they were going to do the tag thing. And, you know, it was like that, that's, it was planned dominance. Yeah. It was sort of uh, Massacre's thing. But yeah, I, I think it started with the cigar. I think that, kind of gave it that planning kind of, you know, you, 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 I mean, I, I never had heard him saying, I love it when a plan comes together, but, but it had that, <laughs> that, that sort of um, feel to him though. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I never drawn that parallel before, but now that you mentioned it, uh, it's definitely, it's in my head. Like I, I could totally see it. Was a su- it, was, it was a subtle thing, but that's what yeah. I, that's one of the things I loved about some of Chuck's, art pieces is that they he'd have these little elements to it that would help stress what Tom was doing with the character. Right. And vice versa. I think, I think sometimes I've never asked Tom about it, but I would think some of those little touches Chuck put in kind of helped Tom, you know, go in a direction with some of the guys. Sure. 
Uh, that'd be that'd be interesting actually to ask him about sometime because I, I I don't think I've ever asked that question of him about the art influencing you know him in any way. Um, but I, I I think it would be inevitable in some ways. Um, speaking speaking of the art, uh, you know both of these guys obviously got multiple cards, um, and uh, I, I think that including of course the reimagined sets. Um, It'd be interesting to hear. Uh, Todd, did you have a favorite piece of, of Bruton Massacre art? Hmm. I, let's see. I, I, I do like the Larry Snelly special edition ones. I, I am a fan of those. Um, they have very, very different than the original, the, you know, the original Chuck ones. Right. Uh, but that, that's one I know I did use a lot, you know, once I, started using brute massacre a lot more you know they they that the, this uh special edition came afterwards but i i did like that the more exaggerated mohawk and yeah and stuff and i think the the brute was the brute one hold on, i'm trying to pull it up on my thing here didn't it wasn't that the one where he was pushing out the sides of the uh yeah of the frame there which i yep. thought was a cool cool little little twist too yeah um it's funny because the you know that that artwork is artwork that I didn't see um, until online came around honestly because I oh. until recently I did not have those physical cards um, and uh, so I was on a, you know I, I knew that it existed but I had not seen it uh, until online which you know gosh what, how when did the the wiki come into existence um, that that would have probably been the first time that I saw that art. Um, oh. The, uh, you know, for me, it's interesting because I love the original art so much. And I, and I think that for Massacre in particular, uh, his original art and then the cleansing art is so similar. Um, I, I mean, right down to the poses that it's hard to kind of separate, um, you know, the, the, the two that much for me. Um, I, I would agree, actually, though, that that 2095 special edition card is probably my favorite massacre art um even with the reimagined art uh, which i do which i do like quite a bit but for brute uh I, I go a different direction and for me like i mentioned it's the 2109 special edition uh manager card i just i love that art i think he just looks so imposing and so much like a guy that even though he's retired even though he's not in there you know winning belts anymore that this is a guy that is still going to be a viable threat and it's the guy that you want in your corner as your bodyguard or your manager for sure um mike what about you yeah no i i, I actually the reason i like uh I, I tend to agree with you on brute i think that that last piece at 2109 is probably the best piece of art form but i think partially because it reminds me so much of the first piece of art i really didn't totally. like the, the 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 you know uh, you know i'll just say that the 2090 brute art was not my favorite yeah um you, you know it just <laughs> it didn't work for me you yeah. know like and, and i never liked it i thought that the 2095 um special edition art was certainly an upgrade over the 2090 but but i felt that 2109 really captured the feel of the first brute and took it like elevated it so to me uh, 2109 brute is probably my favorite. I, I, I wish that was a wrestling card, right. You know, mm -hmm. the, instead of being a manager card. Um, but, uh, 
for massacre. He, he, really, he a- really thinned out between uh, 2090 and 2095. I gotta say that. <laughs> well, I, th- I think probably, you know, management went to him and said, you know, we need, we're going to need to see some improvement here. Um, but, but, but I think that, um, you know, he was so good. I, I think, you know, from, it's funny massacres. Uh, I loved massacres, original art, as we talked about earlier. Um, but then I thought, wow, 2090 was even better. And then, I loved, I liked 2095 too. So it's like, it's like one of those things where I liked all of them and I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever get rid of any one of them. I liked being able to use each one of those cards uh, for the artwork for brute though. I probably, if you told me I didn't have to use the 2090 art, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, he kind of looks like he's melting a little. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he, he looks, he looks like they, they kind of need to have a talk with him. Right. Right. You know, you let yourself you know, go, man. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. You know, like the p- folks are paying for to see you. You gotta, gotta kind of get it together. <laughs> he doesn't look very cleansed. <laughs> no, not quite. no, no. Um, well, that's the thing is it's contrast to every other gladiator cleansing art afterwards. Like yes. it, it's like, it, it's no, it's the, it's a rare, 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 rare gladiator miss on art. And I think you kind of accepted it at the time because it was gladiators. So you totally. didn't, it didn't bother people as much as some other art. But I think that if you were just told it was a random character X and took the face paint off of him, I don't think people would have liked that art. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And I, you know, and, and, and I'll be honest that for the, the 25th anniversary art, um, I I love the the face and the pose uh, on Brute, but there's like there's something weird about the outfit to me, um, it, it, especially like the bloody B, which actually was like the number thirteen. I remember when I first saw the card, I was like, "Why does he have 13 on his stomach?" Um, and and then, <laughs> I, I thought I was the only one who saw that. I, yeah. I'm glad to hear someone else saw it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, you know, Massacre, I, I kind of feel like uh, is, is a very, 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 very rare Daryl Banks miss. Like it doesn't it just it it doesn't quite feel like Massacre. Like if somebody had told me this was Massacre's son or nephew or something who was trying to break into the business, I'd be like, oh, OK. Um, but, but as massacre, can't lose the stash, bro. Exactly. Can't, can't lose the stash. <laughs> that was the, that was it. Yeah, so unfortunately, it didn't speak to me as much as the original art, or or even the original twenty ninety art of Massacre. But I will say that you know Warner did an excellent job on the twenty ninety reimagined art for both Brute and Massacre. I think that you know Massacre in particular looks iconic, uh, and, and as is Brute. They both just look really, really, really great in in that artwork. Um, let's talk a little bit about storylines. You know, I mean, early on in, in the story, uh, it, it, it was kind of hinted at that you know. Brute and Massacre kind of followed their own path that even though they were on the villain team, they weren't going to just be like Thanos's thugs or whatever. Um, but they would certainly deal with the devil when need be. Um, there was, you know, this lovely hint of the past uh, relationship with Wolf and the bad blood that existed there. Um, you know, I used to love subbing Wolf in on occasion um, to have him tag with, uh, with Proteus um and wait we're acting up oh now 
Now I'm wondering. It was if I got Proteus. It, it was Proteus. Okay. Proteus, you had it right. Don't doubt yourself. Uh, you know, and, and, and having, you know, having those two, you know, team up on occasion to take on, uh, Brute Massacre was always a lot of fun and, and you know, putting Wolf in there solo sometimes, uh, or, or rather putting you know, the gladiator solo against Wolf. Um, but there was just always so much fun stuff to be able to do with them. And, and, and also the feud that was kind of hinted at a little bit with, you know, Brute and Massive as well. I felt like it was really nice the way that Tom laid out plenty of pathways, especially for these two characters and especially with their background. Um, and, and, and of course where the gladiators went from there and how incredibly important they have been to the fabric of, um, just the GWF in general, um, all the way right up until, the present i i think uh you know it all starts with with brute and massacre um so i i'm curious you know guys uh, todd i'll start with you like what are some of your favorite storyline moments for brute and massacre um well i mean let's see i i think uh, uh probably my favorite was was the whole gladiator war um you know, feud, you know, you probably saw somebody, you know, you had a little bit of the stuff with the adamant early on, but this was somebody, you know, a planet that was really, you know, taken over by the gladiators and they're really fighting back against them. Uh, so I really kind of like that, that, you know, there was somebody, some group that was coming together to really try to take it back to the gladiators and to brute massacre in particular with the, you know, having a, having a solid team with uh, Mason dregs against them. I, I really dug that. Yeah, I I mean, Dregs is one of my favorite, you know, GWF wrestlers ever. And, uh, I, you know, I think that uh, their their team um, certainly gave them a, a run for their money. Uh, it, it's funny because earlier on, you know, kind of when I mentioned War and the Gladiators, more often than not, it was just that I felt like Raven ended up disappointing me, um, uh, which is why that, that feud was not as remarkable for me as it could have been. Obviously, other promoters oh, had a very different see, Raven is Raven's an all-timer for me. So <laughs> I wish that that was the case for me because I loved the character. I loved the art. I loved everything about that card, but he just never really performed for me for some reason. But that happens, you know. It's it's so, it's so funny because uh, someone reached out to me recently about the comments that I made a few episodes ago about Madison Eagles and the quality of her card um for that shimmer set about how it was probably one of the better women's wrestling cards and he mentioned that she recently went like two and 22 uh you, you know which is a shock to me because like on paper madison eagle should be beating just about every other women's wrestling card we have with the exception of like you know mercedes martinez and you know maybe maybe there's a couple others out there uh that are going to give her a real run for her money the uh you know probably the jesse mckay card maybe uh, 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 the Nicole Matthews um, maybe, update. Maybe uh, they were wrestling her against Mula. Oh well, that could be. <laughs> yeah, Mula, Mula would take her out. Mula sure. would definitely. Right? Take her I mean, out. you know, it, well, you know, because some people do that. They'll 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 right. mix the indies and the and the legends, and sometimes you know that can, you know, depending on the you know who the, which legends they're mixing them with, it can be pretty brutal for the said indie wrestler. That's that is very very true. Um, yeah, Madison Eagles versus Mula is is not gonna is not gonna turn out well for Madison Eagles, uh, you know, or Mildred Burke for that matter. Um, right. But but anyway, uh, yeah. For the, so so the War Gladiators feud on, on a whole was fun to play out, but it didn't necessarily go how I thought it would, and and Raven didn't necessarily perform as well as I wanted him to. Um, but uh, but I did love you know Mason Dregs. 
uh, as a team. But I, I agree with you too that the that the Civil War was kind of the highlight for me in a lot of ways. Sure. And I love I love sure. playing that out. Uh, Mike, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with everybody. I mean, I loved the um, the initial Greek gods feud for me was a big one, um, you know, it, both because it was a feud, but then also because it was a title, the, the title was uh, involved in that feud so much in my fed so that, um, and they both, you know, traded it back and forth, you know, the gladiators always seemed to hold it a little longer and they held it a little more often, but it was always, you felt like it was an even uh, feud with them out there. Um, they were on equal footing. Um, you know, Animal Pack was another great feud that that I had for the for the gladiators. Um, and then you get to war and that it, it, the thing with the gladiators, it never got stale. Like you felt like every time it started to get stale, something else came along. War, war, that feud went hot and heavy, but it was short lived. You know, it didn't didn't last 10 years, um, <laughs> you know, and 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 then you have the Civil War and, you know, they feud with you know, the next generation, but ultimately they wind up back in charge. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? right? You know, like vengeance wins, but then massacre becomes, becomes minister, of minister of war <laughs> and puts brute in charge. Like, it's like, Oh, you know, that, that, you know, and then, you know, vengeance, you know, conspires to kill, you know, massacre and right. whatever, you know, like who knows, you know, but, it, but, it, but I thought that that, um, I really enjoyed each one of those sort of progressive steps that the gladiators went through. Um, yeah. And I felt, I think that was the thing that Tom did especially well with that original gladiators team was they, they moved on kind of like the, you know, you use the road warriors analogy earlier where the road warriors would, you know, sort of, you know, dominate in a territory for a little while and then they'd move on. Yeah. And then they'd go back to the you know, this other territory and, you know, dominate there. And then they'd go back to the first one. Then they'd go somewhere else. Then they'd, you know, they'd move around. So you never felt like it got old, you know, just seeing that shtick where they beat the tar out of somebody. Um, and I felt like, you know, Tom always did that with the gladiators is you, you, he, he gave them meaningful feuds that weren't transitory. They, they, they lasted a while, but not too long so that you felt like it got stale. So that that to me was the most notable thing about their storylines. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a great point. I, I mean, especially because it's so funny. You mentioned Animal Pack, and I don't know how or why I gave them short shrift, but uh, I mean, that was definitely one of my my hottest matches. You know, for a while. I mean, Badger and Ram taking a brutal massacre. I mean, you know that that always led to some really incredible stuff. Um, and and I think that um, they, they yeah their their programs were had a lot of variety to them and their storylines, you know, the, the characters themselves progressed on a journey that made, you know, a lot of sense. And was, it was, you know, it went places that uh, were, was interesting. But then when you think about who they were mixing it up in the ring with um, it definitely changed and evolved. And, it, you know, and the nice thing is, is that it always gave you places to kind of like fall back to, um, you know, I know injuries or suspensions, you, you know, could certainly lead to an, uh, a, a, a situation where all of a sudden, especially with that, that old school feud table where all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, now what do I do? Because battering Ram's been injured for 12 cards. You know, it's like, I, I, I now I've got to figure out something else for the gladiators to do. It's like, Oh, that's fine. I'll just put them back in there with, you know, the Greek gods or, you know, there, there was always somewhere to go. Um, which, which I really appreciated. Um, 
So obviously you mentioned the end of the road for Massacre. Uh, I remember when that happened, I, 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 I was just kind of shocked. Um, especially because it, it, you know, it, it happened after, you know, they left it, 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 and, and, and we're talking Centra and it was just sort of like, well, what the hell's going on? Um, well, well, that did anyway ever find that interesting that he's supposed to be running a whole star system, right? The whole Aetheran system. Right. And, and he's off in another dimension, yeah. like to watch wrestling, you know, like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who's, yeah. who's running the shop, you know? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you, you know, it, the writing did seem to be somewhat on the wall as far as like who did it. I, I, I think that a lot of people were just sort of like, well, clearly vengeance has to be involved somewhere along the line here. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed the way that the storyline played out and I think that it really led to, uh, it, it just led to some really cool developments for the Aetherns in general. Um, I kind of hated seeing Massacre go out that way. And one, th- one thing that still kind of strikes me as odd is the sort of the non-reaction from Brute. I always thought that that was kind of an interesting bit that, that it didn't seem to really kind of like bother him that much. Um, so I'm curious, yeah, what, you know, what you guys thought about that, Todd? With, 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 uh, with, with Massacre's assassination. Oh, Massacre's death yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I guess it really wasn't addressed as much as you thought it would. And yeah, he just kind of went wrong his... Well, know, I, I think Tom said, like, well, it's just the Aetheran way, you know, we yeah, respect, right. you know, like, like it was, that was... But yeah, yeah. you kind of like, wait, you guys were like best friends for like, you know, 20 years, you know? Right, thirty years. So wouldn't that kind of bug you? You know, yeah. it's but but Maybe I think that you know it spoke to the culture of Aethra, right? It's a little, it's ruthless. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that. But it was interesting because so then you know, okay, vengeance gets one over on massacre, but then Spike gets one over on uh, right. uh, on him, right? Yeah. So it's like you know, the, the original gladiators ultimately win that whole feud with vengeance's generation. You know, and it's not until the the Aetheran Overmaster, you know, comes along that sort of ends that whole train. Which is probably the reason why I don't like Overmaster. Like, really, <laughs> this is probably what it just boils down to. Um, yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, is that there is something to me about kind of the lineage between, you know, Brute and Massacre. And you can even, if you really want to, you could probably throw Wolf into the mix, considering that when they first, you know, came in in 2085, that it was the three of them. Uh you could even go back further than that to Santon the loner, you know, who of course is the cur. Like the, the, the fact that you've got from, from day one, a gladiator involved, there just seemed to be this logical progression. And then Bruton massacre, obviously are the cornerstone of that all the way up to disaster really. And then I felt like post disaster, it, it, it turned into something else, you know, that, that, that I, I, even with the recent release, to me, the gladiators that we've had for the past, you know, what, 10, 15 years of game time definitely feel Aetheran, but they don't necessarily feel like the gladiators that we had from 2087, maybe even, you know, going back further than that until, uh, you know, 2020, you know, whatever it would be, 2025 or, or whatever it is. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. I'd certainly be interested to hear other people's thoughts on that. 
Well, I thought it was interesting how Tom brought, he really did kind of bring back the original gladiator team feel with the female tag team. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you, I mean, I mean, you, you mean down to, you know, we got the, you know, the cigar and the mohawk. <laughs> right. From yeah. the storm. You know, it's like, I mean, very much, you know, hearkening to, to massacre with that one. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. I mean, and I think it's that that's the first characters that, that Tom's done that really, I think, truly harken back to that first team. Yeah. And, and, and Bulldoze has got the collar and stuff too. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's definitely a big homage. And I, and I like the spin on it. And it's, yeah, that we're, all right, we're going to do females and we're going to do, you know, the style that, that, you know, it's classic. I think it's great. And and she really feels like she's the leader of the team store. Oh, like yeah. she's, oh, she's kind of even over paralyzed or, or uh, over um, 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 siege siege. Like you, you almost feel like she's really maybe calling the shots when the time comes. True. Yeah. yeah. Strategist, the new strategist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the, the method behind the madness. Um, no, I mean, I, I would totally agree with that. And I really like bulldoze and, and storm and siege. I think that, you know, all three uh, are, are great additions to the game. And, um, and, and like I said, there's just this, there's, there's this feeling that up until maybe these three characters arrive that some of the gladiators that we've had, you know, from like 21, 25 ish and until, you know, 2136 to me personally felt Aetherin felt very much like, yes, these, these are, you know, who Aetherins are, but they didn't necessarily always feel like the gladiators that I knew and loved for so long. Um, and I'm not even saying that disaster is necessarily the last of that line, but in a way that like those gladiators just always felt very much like, um, like the gladiators I wanted, you know, but, uh, uh well, I don't know. I felt like that um, the Gladiator Vanguard team, it was a little different. But when it became Thunder, Malice and Overkill, that had a lot of feel like of the original team in certain yeah. ways. Because, totally. you, you, you know, the, the the only difference was you didn't have a massacre brains as one of the, you know, uh, one of the wrestlers. It became you, you had Brute Massacre kind of on the sidelines calling the shots so it was, it was a little different but you still had i felt like you had that feel with thunder as the singles guy and malice and overkill as that you know head banging tag team i felt like you you, you kind of that was the one era that, that their after vengeance you know had been pushed aside when you had that feel for the team for a little bit it was a few years yeah yeah, I, I mean, I would totally agree with that. And, and and I think that, you know, that 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 team to me, especially because, you know, Thunder being, you know, one of my favorite characters and, and just the progression that, that Thunder had, mm -hmm. um, that there did, there ultimately did seem to be something classic about Thunder in spite of being, you know, grouped with with the Vanguard team early on. Um, and and I think that, you know, Malice and Overkill, um definitely replicated the dominance that we had of the, the early team uh, that, that some people had, I don't know, you know, they didn't necessarily perform the same for everybody, but, um, but I, I, I do, I think that like even Havoc, who's another one of my favorites, like Havoc. But that team was totally different. Exactly. That, that, that yeah. team feel was, I mean, there, there was never, 
I never felt. I love that grouping. Oh, and it was yeah. only together for a very short period of time. But disaster, havoc, and paralyzed, I thought was super cool. Yes. But it didn't feel like the original Gladiators. No. At all. But I will say that Disaster, to me, felt like a, 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 the lineage of, like, single stars. If you kind of go, like, Spike, um, Thunder, mm-hmm. Disaster, that makes sense to me. But then, like, when you throw Overmaster in there, like, Overmaster does not feel at all like I have the same vibe that I get from Spike, Thunder, and Disaster. Except that I think that if you look at it, normally we had in the original team, the single star was Spike, right? I mean, he was the single star, but Massacre was the leader. And that kind of held up the whole way until you get to Vengeance taking over and Vengeance becomes the leader. But then you have, you know, kind of Vengeance gets, you know, kicked out and you wind up with, you know, Thunder is the leader now. Sure. And, 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 and Thunder or Thunder was the single star, but not the leader of the team at that point. That's yeah. now it's Brute who's who's leading things. So and then then you get the new beginnings and it's disaster is the single star and the leader again. Right. So it's sort of like that's it. it I think that's the biggest difference was the gladiators managed to be massacre was booked as a strong character and leader, but not the single star. And that's hard to replicate. Like, it's really hard to have a guy who's the leader and not the best. Yeah. That's a really, really good point. And I, and I hadn't thought about it like that, the makeup of the team and, and kind of the hierarchy of the team and what it means. Um, especially like when you think of it, like, honestly, it makes massacre an even more interesting character. The fact that he is the leader, that he is the, the general, that he is the guy that's kind of in charge, the future minister of war. And yet he's not, he's, he's fine with spike going out there pursuing you know, the, the, the line he spike is the superstar, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and I think that the, you know, that that says a lot about who he, who he was, um, you know, obviously when brute leaves, when, when, when we get to, um, new, new beginnings and, and, and brute is no longer with the GWF. I mean, that's, that's basically it. Like we don't have any, there's no echoes anymore, really of the, you know, the past gladiator glory. Um, so I guess in some ways you could consider that the closer of the chapter, although I still kind of feel like disaster, there's something about disaster that I hold on to. But um, yeah, I, I think overall for me, when I think about Brute and Massacre, um, they're easily one of the most important tag teams in the history of the GWF. Um, they certainly have the accolades to go along with it. Um, and that, uh, from the very beginning, you know, the hint of their background, the, the, you know, the feud with Wolf, um, the stuff, again, one of the things I love that Tom did in the original booklet is that it gives the sense of things have been happening, that this is not the very beginning, you know, that, that, that like so many people did, if you, if you didn't want to do a tournament, you could actually, sorry, Todd, but if you didn't want to do a tournament, you could look at the, the, the program. <laughs> Why would you do a tournament? <laughs> what? You could look at the program on the back of the booklet and you could say, that's my first card, you know, and just go from there already having your champions or anything, because this is a fed that has been around a while. Um, and, and the fact that the gladiators were so important to that uh, and continue to be, I think, again, it just, it all, it all starts with Brute Massacre. And uh, it's the main reason why I wanted to do, do this spotlight. So uh, Todd, uh, closing thoughts on Brute Massacre. 
Um, you know, definitely a great team. Um, you know, just uh, dominant like throughout. I mean, you can see any of the the old Club Galactica rankings, any promoter rankings, like anything cumulative. Like they're always going to be at the top, just because they're just such a long reign, and they were the guys. Um, uh, Massacre, yeah, I did use in some singles matches, and yeah, he he was great in, in that role. Brute used in, the, in a handful of singles matches, regretted it most of the time because those things took forever. Uh, I would, yeah, while we were doing this, I just ran a uh, uh, play-by-play simulator with uh, uh, Man Mountain versus Brute just to kind oh of boy. see like how long that could get. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. It was like seventy moves, seventy moves on uh, one of them. There, yeah, that was just. Uh, it could be kind of a slog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do. I do remember also like yeah, some early um, Aetherin escape matches, and like you had to be, you know, I, I kind of fell into the trap of you know having Brute be the last guy in there, and oh, then just gosh. some of those just taking just way way too long. So after that, I was just like, all right. We gotta get brewed out of here quick, you know. Like, have him be that someone tag in and he you know, get him out, so this is just not taking forever. But uh, yeah, that's one of the one lasting legacy I remember of him as well. So. Yeah, man. Oh, those those ultimate escape matches. I, you know, it's funny because I didn't do a whole lot of them. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before, um, and I enjoyed them. I mean, I did them, but I think I probably enjoyed them because I did use them so sparingly. (laughs) You know, if I'd used them more often, I probably would have hated it. Um, Mike, your final thoughts on Brute and Massacre. Well, just real quick, because Todd, you know, said he ran the play-by-play simulator, so I just had to go roll the the match with the original uh, Brute and the original uh, Man Mountain. And the first one I ran was 62 moves, and Brute got DQ'd. So I said, well, we have to have a blow-off match oh, and totally. can't have it just be the DQ. So I ran it again, 107 moves. Oh my God. What is the time? It, does it say on there? It says 2229. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and, that, and that's if you're using Bazzi's dice, I think. But, I but here's the worst part. Here's <laughs> right, the yeah, worst yeah, part. Exactly. There's only two fatigue tokens. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> only two oh. pin attempts the whole time. Oh my two, two pin attempts the whole time because in uh, 107 moves. So, <laughs> so yeah, singles matches could be painful with brute. I think was, was, is, is a good uh, way to look at it. But I, I think that to me, the amazing thing is if you look at that first set, the only thing I can think of that's been continuous throughout the GWF since that first set is the gladiators. Yeah. You know, Wolf's come back, but Wolf went away for a little while. Right. Everything else, it's, you know, for a long time, it was, you know, the, the, the Omega, Star Wars, Thantos storyline was dominant, but the gladiators have lasted. And I think it's in large part due to just how great Brute Massacre were. And I think it, 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 it created, you know, a, a race that uh, of people that are of, you know, beings. Uh, I, I don't know if you call gladiators people or not. I don't want to offend them. Um, but, uh, you know, the, you go, you think about that, that all these years later, people still want gladiators. I mean, to the point that, you know, I mean, when I did future shock, 
I wrote in some gladiators, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was compelling to bring them in. Um, and I think that's, um, I think that's the biggest tribute to those, those two characters is that people still want gladiators today. Yeah. I think that that's, I, that, that really is kind of the, the big, uh, take from this because um, you think about you know the titans who have been around you know pretty much since day one and, and but they took a break they took a little break there for yeah kind of yeah but i think that out of all the other teams though they, they like mm-hmm. you yeah. know more so than the animan more so than you know what i mean like the titans are the ones that have that have certainly been around i think the the longest compared to to the gladiators um and and the thing is, is that I love the Titans. I really, really do. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd certainly pick the, the Gladiators over them when it comes to their importance. And and like you say, people still want Gladiators. Um, and, and I think that you know, twenty one thirty seven was delivered big time when it came to the Gladiators. Obviously, uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see where their story goes from here. And it'll be interesting to see how like Storm and Bulldoze, who clearly are that homage to. Brute Massacre, you know, what, what they end up doing and, and how they continue. Um, and the wonderful thing about Brute Massacre is that we know that there are new players coming into the game all the time. And more often than not, if they're starting, if, if they're going the champions route and not, you know, going legends or indies as their, as their first step in, more often than not, they're, you know, they're starting with 2087. And when they start with 2087, massacre your gladiators. So it's like the touchstone that new players, old players, returning players, veterans, whatever, like everyone knows brute massacre. Everyone has that brute massacre story. And uh, I think that they're, you know, they're just so integral to the fabric of champions of the galaxy um, that we, you know, when we had our, our, our planets tournament, you know, when, when we talked about our gladiator tournament that we had, you know, all that sort of stuff, you know, Brute and Massacre and the gladiators, they're on top for a reason. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for Mike with his gladiators and Sintra. Uh, and uh, I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to hear the responses to this because I know that people are very passionate uh, about the gladiators uh, and, and, and most people are passionate in their love for the gladiators and the disagreements over who the best gladiator is, but there are some people out there that aren't, aren't fans of the gladiators. So it'll be interesting to hear, you know, what, what they have to think and, and certainly how they performed. Cause I know other people out there that the Greek gods wiped the floor with them or, you know, that uh, animal pack wiped the floor with them, that war beat them obviously because in the sudden death results, you know, that, 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 uh, that they didn't necessarily measure up like they did for other promoters. So it'll be interesting to hear those responses and we look forward to that. So feel free to chime in on the boards um, and, and let us know, let us know what you thought. Um, but I think it's time for us to go over to that closing bell. We've been we've been going for a while, and uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to go catch up on sleep and uh, or attempt to anyway. Uh, but before we do, uh, Todd, any any final notes from Fed HQ? Uh, let's see. Um, well, I do want to do a quick Lego corner update. 
Um, I did open up that box with the uh, Slave One, uh, the original Slave One uh, from 20 some odd years ago. And not only was that in there, there was also the original uh, Sand Speeder and the Desert Skiff from uh, from the Sarlacc Pit Wow, that were in there, which is kind of funny because I last year got the newest versions of both of those. So now I feel compelled to go out and get the new Slave One that just got re-released very recently. So I just want to give that quick, quick Lego corner update, you know, while we're here. Uh, But I will will add to that very briefly uh, that I have my throne room dual um, death star set from return of the Jedi um, that I had basically finished, but I hadn't put the door uh, on uh, and it hadn't built the Royal guards yet. Uh, And I've been inspired by the Lego corner and the work that everybody else is doing. And the fact that Hattie, my, you know, my daughter uh, was so thrilled with the TARDIS that uh, I went ahead and finally finished that. Uh, and it, it's super cool. Like, it's funny because even without that door, like I really just enjoyed the look of it, but putting like the sliding doors in and putting the Royal guards up there and adding that extra little bit of texture. Like it's, it's really cool. Uh, I love that set. And I'm so glad, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a lot of Lego sets or anything, but um, I'm glad that that's one that I do have because I really enjoy just the build and, 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 and of course being able to have Luke and Vader and, and all that jazz. Um, but maybe there'll be Good more stuff. Legos in the future. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so, you know, for friend, friend over in Denmark, uh, there, you know, that's right. Recommendations. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we have to I, talk to him about that. See if we can do like, you know, all three of us. And we see who builds first. <laughs> who, 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 Speed Legos? Is that what you're Speed saying? Speed Lego. Speed Lego. <laughs> Who can do it first? Um, I also want to uh, show the guys here something, so I'm about ready to share my screen with them. I decided, since everybody was doing it, that I would run uh, a match <laughs> as well. And my match was three moves. You guys are having these epics, and somehow Man Mountain misses a knee drop, Brute takes over, hits the Gladiator pile driver, and it's over. There you go. It's a- <laughs> Don't know how that Sam. happened, but all right. I, 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 you know, what can I say? I well, jinxed it. Well, well in, in that 107-move marathon, Brute actually finished off um, Man Mountain with a scorpion death lock. <laughs> <laughs> it was a choice E, you know, and he got the choice E there. It was the knife-edge choice E, so it said try a scorpion death lock. So he, he since it was nine or lower, plus or minus agility, that was a pretty safe move since the target right. roll was 13 um, for, for that. So, so, are you, so, um, so Mike, uh, do I take it then that, that you're a literal guy when it comes to the choice charts? No, but I just thought it sounded cool <laughs> to say <laughs> that it through a that. scorpion death lock on well, him, right? I, you know I mean? That's that's what I used to say too. I think I've told you the story before, like with classics with Tor and Caleb, like anytime he'd get the, the moonsault choice C, like I actually I was like, no, he's gonna do the moonsault. Just because it seems like something kind of like it reminded me a little bit of Kurt Angle. It's like, I'm going with it. I'm just going with it. Uh, anyway, um so yeah, Lego Corner. Um, By the way, do we need to cut you off? Is it like the new tradition now for you to cut out now and then you and Todd have to do the outro after I'm... <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your internet any, comes any, back any, on. Any minute now, the signal's just going to drop. Internet's been weird lately. Um, uh, I will plug the perennial one more time um, for anyone that, that has not gotten their tickets yet, do so. Uh, even if you can't attend, remember, you'll still get those special edition cards, which will not be available uh, any other avenue. Right, Todd? 
Um, yeah, no, maybe, maybe a future maybe an auction someday. Yeah, yeah. An auction. Uh, and, and yeah, remember, you know, you might have to break open your piggy banks, but there's going to be an auction. So, um, we don't want Grant to get all the cool stuff. So, so, you know, let's, let's bid, uh, and, uh, bid high, bid often, uh, let's, let's get some money. You too, but I don't want to forget Pete Beck. We got to get Pete Beck in there. I know. Right. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, um, uh, get some money over to, uh, the Traeger's Test Hall of Fame, um, wonderful organization that it is. And, um, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to the chance to interview Les Thatcher. Uh, I think he's, you know, incredible guy knows so much and, uh, I'm sure he's got some wonderful stories for us, um, that, that, uh, that he will offer up. Uh, for all those in attendance, uh, like Todd mentioned earlier, we will probably be rolling tape, so to speak, on the panels and the interview. Um, so, again, if you're not able to attend, still buy your ticket so you can get those cards, but you won't miss out uh, on on this stuff because we'll probably uh, drop some into the podcast uh, here in the future. So you'll still be able to hear some of that, that content. Um, Mike, you got anything? Just looking forward to the perennial. See, good look for. It looks like we're gonna have a nice crowd for it, and uh, you know, still time to get tickets. So even as of the dropping of this podcast, and uh, you know, but uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing everybody, and uh, you know, raising a little money for the hall, and, and uh, um, just having a good time. So look forward to seeing everybody. Todd. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo that. Uh, looking forward uh, to seeing a lot of people on there. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll have a you know by the number of tickets sold so far, I think we'll have a really great turnout there. Um, and then uh, next week we reopen to teaser season, so teaser season is oh, back upon us after boy. a nice long break. So, yeah. One thing I wanted to add before we get out of here, uh, I failed to mention this last time around. Uh, we were going to do it with our, our legend spotlight for Piper. Um, I was interested to see how everyone was using Piper. Uh, Todd told me that he doesn't play legends much, so he didn't have a whole lot of Piper stories for me. Um, and uh, I, I got to ask Mike the question. Um, Mike, how has Piper done for you and your legends fan? He is waiting to debut. Um, I have you know, I did not want to just rush Piper in. And so I'm setting that up. He is, nice. but he's coming. He is, uh, he's on the list, but I, I had, you know, it's one of those things where we have so many cards that come out a year now yeah. that it's like, I don't want to have like, you know, the brisk goes and, and this guy's in that. And, and so I run my, um, my legends fed like it's a small territory mm-hmm. that it just that it, we're just it's a, a you know Philadelphia region territory just sort of does like Pennsylvania Philadelphia Reading Allentown like that kind of Lancaster Harrisburg maybe um, so that's so I I book it that way um, and uh, so I you know to me Rowdy 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 Piper's in Portland right now you know, and, and he's, or maybe he's in California, Sam, to, to, to pull up on, 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 on last week's show. Maybe he's in California right now and he's going to come in and, you know, stir the pot, you know, yes. but, but it's, I want to, I want to wait until that moment is, is right. It, it'll start with Piper's pit probably. Though. That's good. 
Nice. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny because in my Legends Fed, uh, I've had him there uh, with, with the latest iteration of my Legends Fed. Anyway, I've had him there since the beginning, um, and he took part in in the uh, the traditional Thanksgiving rumble that I had and uh, performed very well, which I was excited about. Um, and it then started a feud with Bob Roop and uh, Roop put him on the shelf for a while. And I was a little disappointed in that. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure, you know, what to do at that particular moment, but it just so happened, you know, we got this Gordon Soli announce card and it took me back to, you know, what he did in Georgia. So I just put Piper at the announce booth with Soli. So I was able to kind of like keep that texture and keep that going. Um, and, and, and the funny thing is, is like basically, you know, it's solidified him as a bit of a baby face in this current run that he's in. And uh, I have him now feuding with, uh, you know, Bobby Heenan's uh, family, which, uh, which would be a lot of fun. And uh, they, you know, Heenan just brought in Buddy Rose and Doug Summers because uh, Ray Stevens and um, uh, uh, his partner, who was he? Bockwinkle? I can't remember. No, it wasn't Bockwinkle. I mean, yes, it was Bockwinkle, but I had him teaming up with somebody else uh, for a minute. It might have been Larry Henning, actually. Uh, and uh, they got themselves suspended, a lengthy suspension, so I had to bring somebody in to fill in. But uh, it's been fun, actually, using Piper in a capacity, because I haven't brought the pit in yet. I didn't want to debut the pit just yet, um, and uh, which I kind of did the reverse of what some promoters are probably doing. So it's been fun to use him in a non-wrestling role while also still getting him into the ring on occasion and, uh, and just keep keeping him visible because I don't often do that. Uh, I mentioned this to Todd off air that usually if a guy gets injured or suspended or, or whatnot, like they're gone for a while. And then I just bring them back in, you know, try to de- you know, re-debut them or whatever uh, in an interesting way. Um, so it's not often that I have an injured wrestler stick around. And this was kind of a unique opportunity for me to play with that, especially knowing that Piper, you know, was, was the big talker. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun to do that. Just added a little extra texture to, to my, uh, my territory. Um, but much like you're saying, Mike, that's, that's how I, you know, run my legends fed as well. So it's very much a territory cycle in talent and, and out talent. Like for instance, right now I, I'd had the Briscoes in for a while and now the Briscoes are, are gone. And, and, you know, I look forward to bringing one or both of them back at some point, but um, I just wasn't able to kind of catch fire with them the way I wanted to. So I felt like, all right, that's cool. I'll just, I'll let them, you know, move on someplace else for a while and then I'll bring them back in when it seems appropriate. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, I had so much fun, you know, last week that, that, and we went on for so long that I didn't get the opportunity to ask that question, but I was very interested to kind of just, you know, to see how, how he's doing for other promoters. So if you're listening to this, you know, you can either go back and, and leave this on the previous episodes, uh, message board, or leave it here. I'm, I'm always curious to see how people are using him. Uh, and of course I'm reading fed. So I see a lot of, of what people are doing, but, um, just one of my favorite guys. And I think that there's so much fun stuff that you can do outside the ring as well as inside the ring, of course, because we have that wonderful Piper's pick card. Um, I also wanted to, speaking of the last episode, give a shout out to everyone that left comments. Uh, Lee, KB, Derek VB, Vegas, Travis605, The Faction, Rob, Pariah, Peepback, Mouse Lover, Matt, and Sinestro24. Thank you all so much for participating in the conversation. Um, the the episode, again, was not only a lot of fun to do, but to be able to get like Rock Rim's endorsement um, on Twitter and Facebook was was pretty validating to see that he had listened to it and enjoyed it and was, you know, was telling people that... Um, 
you know, follow him on Twitter and Facebook to, to check it out. It was pretty cool. I was glad to hear that we hadn't screwed it up royally. Uh, and, uh, you know, anytime you do something like that, you really kind of want to get it right as best you can. Um, so I appreciate all the positive feedback that we've had for, for that episode and hope to do another one, uh, in the future with someone else. So we're always open to suggestions. If you want to hear a legend spotlight about somebody else, let us know, uh, in the comments. Um, always want to give a shout out, even though I forgot to last week to the other wonderful, uh, podcast podcasters and content creators out there uh our friends over at uncharted territory uh loved the the, the last episode with uh, christian mcleod on there uh i remember fondly the gwf hardcore days and when varsity first made his debut uh on the message boards or the or the yahoo group anyway and um and had that 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 original bootleg of varsity um as well and and loved using varsity and, and he was indeed somebody that um held some gold in, in the old hardcore pro wrestling fed that I ran at the time. I loved varsity and saber. I used them liberally in my GWF, um, thought those were great cards. Um, so it was cool to, to, to hear from Christian and, and, uh, you, you know, reminisce about some of those days and all the crazy bootlegs that, that were out there and some of the awful, awful, awful bootlegs that I made at the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I was also glad to hear the proper pronunciation for his last name, which I never actually knew. Yeah. But that was always nice. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, also, of course, uh, former guest of the show, Grant Pachoco and the Phil Searing Games Fan Podcast, um, all the wonderful video work uh, that he does. Uh, make sure you're checking that out. Um, certainly. Uh, he, he also did a fun thing on the last uh, podcast where he had on Chad and Travis and they uh, did a, you know, a Memphis Coliseum um stats which i thought was kind of fun so. nice very very cool uh and then uh brock atkinson with brockster builds uh and uh all the great work um that that he does with his ndw stuff um it, you know just just wonderful and then of course you know brock and mike fortune have kept up their uh continuing character spotlights that they've been doing in fact recently their last one was on the gladiators um yeah. so so uh you know compare compare uh, and contrast uh, what we've done with them. Uh, Lee Longfrey with the Dizzy Dice. Uh, he's back up and running, released some great stuff recently. So make sure you're checking out what he's doing. Um, and, you know, anyone and everyone else that I've forgotten, I do apologize. But uh, if you're out there creating, taking part in the community, thank you so much because uh, it makes it richer. It makes it more fun. Uh, and there's there really is literally something for everyone out there. Um, so we hope you listen to us. But if you're not listening to us, then you're not hearing what I'm saying right now. But if you were to hear what I'm saying right now, I would say, listen, partake, enjoy be a part of the community because it's so much fun. And the perennial of course is a wonderful way to do that. Um, that's all I get. And don't overthink what Sam just said. Just have fun. <laughs> that's right. Um, Todd, anything else? No, we'll see everybody on Saturday. Mike. Good night to, and good day to our friends on the Baltic. Thank you. I've missed that. All right, everybody. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode where we will probably talk a little bit about what happens this Saturday at the Perennial. Don't miss it.